0: You're listening to episode 11 of A Little Bit of Python. This is a special episode recorded at PyCon Atlanta 2010 with Antoine Petrou, a Core C Python developer. If you have any comments, feedback, or suggestions, you can email us at all at bitofpython.com. Hello, you're listening to A Little Bit of Python. This is Michael Ford. I'm sitting here in PyCon 2010 in Atlanta, Pretty much in the aftermath of the conference, the final talks and the final lightning talks have recently finished, and I'm sat downstairs in a virtually empty hallway with Antoine Petru. Now, Antoine is one of the core CPython developers, but he's a name that um, my guess is that um, not a huge number of uh, of you will have heard of. One of the the interesting things about this conversation is you get to see, um, certainly for the Python world, all these famous people. You get to sort of see Guido and chat to Guido, there's Alex Martelli wandering around, Raymond Hettinger, Brett Cannon, all of these folks are sort of pretty well known in the Python world, but uh, as is often the case, uh, a lot of the work behind the scenes with, with developing Python is done by people who um, maybe don't sort of make themselves known quite so much, and, and Antoine is one of these guys, he's uh, in the last year been one of the, the top three committers to core C Python. so uh, it'll be interesting to hear from him. Hello Antoine. Hello Michael. So how did you first get into uh, into programming, first programming with Python, and then actually working on Python? <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, well, I started programming with Python at the end of 2004, when I had a customer who wanted to uh, hire me on a contract, and he wanted the project to be... Um the software to be written in Python uh, because the it was a research project, and researcher which researcher uh, who had launched the project liked Python basically. So uh, I had to learn Python for a couple of weeks before starting that project, and I quickly fell in love with the language because it's uh, quite an elegant language, quite uh, simple, syntactically, and, uh, and very well well designed and uh, well conceptualized uh semantically so this project was a project uh, was a how to say a p2p or, uh <coughs> virtual world project that is right. a, a virtual world system where there is no centralized uh, storage of data each node in this peer to p world has a uh, knowledge of its neighbors and so uh, the um, consistency of the world doesn't exist as a whole in a centralized place. It's just uh, built uh, incrementally. And so this project was written in Python with Twisted and WX Widgets. And uh, yes, this is how I started programming in Python. Since I had fallen, fallen in love with a language, I, uh, I decided that uh, not only my following projects should be done in Python, but that one day I will start contributing, will try to contribute to the language so i uh, I started uh, picking up some bugs on the tracker and uh, proposing patches and so on
0: so did you find it easy to get involved with actually developing python uh
1: yes and no uh contributing patches is easy uh getting in to the, getting in the community is not so easy when you are, are not a fluent english speaker there's quite a culture of restraint and politeness, which is not easy to get when you uh, don't have the necessary uh, vocabulary. So you think Python programmers are restrained and polite? Uh, I'm not sure if they're uh, individually restrained and polite, but there's an, an atmosphere in the community which uh, fosters this kind of attitude. So that,
0: so that kind of made you feel like um, it was a bit hard to get in because you didn't want to go against the sort of community norms, as it were? Yes. Okay, yes. that's interesting to hear. Yeah. So when did you actually get the commit rights to to Python? Uh,
1: I got the commit rights uh, nearly two years ago. I think it was uh, almost at the beginning of summer 2008. That was, I'd say, roughly uh, six months after I started uh, really contributing.
0: Wow. And what sort of things have you worked on?
1: Oh, I've worked on a range of things. I've worked quite a bit on Python 3, more than the 2.x branch. I've worked on, um, together with another French guy called Amory Forchard, I uh, rewrote the uh, I/O library of Python 3.0, which was written in pure Python. We wrote it in C, so that it.
0: Uh, so, so the big move from 3.0 to 3.1, a, l- a big part of that was was about having the the faster I/O layer in yeah. C. Yeah, uh, you d- you did a good chunk of that, did you?
1: Yes, I got a I did a good chunk of that, yes. Wow. Wow. Um, Yes, and I uh, also worked on uh, a new implementation of a global interpreter lock, which I didn't remove uh, unless uh, what uh, most people would have hoped. But uh, the goal was to uh, fix some uh, glaring inefficiencies in the implementation of this gear.
0: That was what came out of... um David Beasley did a talk on the global interpreter lock when he, when he yes. shows, shows what happens when you have CPU-bound threads competing for the gil on a multi-core processor. And
1: yes, uh, yes, it was his talk which, which triggered me to um, get into this problem. Uh, at first, I had a mixed feeling about his talk because it it looked... Uh, uh, some numbers looked really outrageous, and when you uh, tried to run them on the Linux, it was not so bad, but and the right, bench so so
0: it's particularly, it was particularly a problem for macOS, which is what Dave runs.
1: Yes, uh, yes, and it was uh, the benchmark he chose was clearly a worst case benchmark for 2.0. Right, right. And it was a very pathological case, and it wasn't a realistic uh, world case because it was just a spinning loop. Right,
0: right. But on
1: the other hand, it helped uncover a real problem, really. So right. uh, I then wrote a custom benchmark called CC Bench, which is a concurrency benchmark, which uh, helped me uh, really assess the effects of the gear. Uh on uh, two different kinds of uh, metrics which are s- thread switching latency when f- you have an IO thread which is running and f- which is waiting for packets how long does it take when a packet arrives for the IO thread to wake up and get to process it another metric which is um, um, t- t- throughput uh, that is when you run several CPU bound threads uh, how much throughput do you get compared to one single thread. So my goal was to improve those two metrics.
0: Right, right. And, yeah. and that, that code has gone into what will become Python 3.2?
1: Yes, yes. It has been committed now.
0: And that was the first time that the, the global interpreter lock code has been touched in... Many years, apparently.
1: Yeah, apparently. I, I hadn't looked at the, the logs to know exactly when he, it hadn't, had been touched for the last time. It's true that the, the threading primitives inside the interpreter, which, uh, which basically abstract the different threading libraries, are very old and rusty and archaic.
0: So do you think there's more work that could be gone into to working on those?
1: Yes, definitely. Yes. We have started deprecating some very, very old platforms like uh, SGI, IRIX, uh, these kind of things, right. which will help us uh, build some new primitives, some some more sophisticated primitives
0: using uniting constructs supported by more modern operating systems. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. basically we will support uh, only POSIX and Windows. And perhaps OS two if the maintainer Andrew Mc, Mc, McIntyre, I think, uh, gets to uh, gets to do a support.
0: Cool, wow. What about porting the new gill back to Python two? That it sounds like that hasn't been done. Why why hasn't that been done?
1: Well uh, I was interested in doing it in .x first because we had to duplicate those threading uh, APIs and uh, declare that those platforms are not supported anymore because I, I couldn't use just the primitives that we have in this threading abstraction because they are too crude to do something right, efficient. Right. So support,
0: um, supporting the old platforms was actively preventing you solving the problem?
1: Yes, yes. And besides, uh, I, I wanted it to be a 3.2 feature because uh, I think it's nice that 3.x has things that 2.x hasn't.
0: Right. Getting the community, um, a wider community of Python including the the library authors and application authors and giving them good reasons to, to see that uh, Python 3 has a lot to offer sounds yes. like a good
1: thing. Mm. Yes.
0: So what else is coming up in Python 3.2 that we should be interested
1: in? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't have a list under the eyes, <laughs> so I can't really tell you. Uh, for, the two, uh, for now, it doesn't have a lot of features. It's,
0: it's still a while away. For, at the time we're recording this, who knows when people will actually be listening to it. But <laughs> Yes. Uh, Python yeah. 2.7 comes first, and then la- later in... Two thousand and ten is the idea is that yeah 3.2 more
1: with a uh, moratorium too there's uh, obviously less uh, core language changes so, right. uh, so th- more under the cover changes yes, a mm, uh, lot of polishing I think uh, probably polishing the standard library because there are still a bit some issues with uh, things like uh, Unicode byte separation in some modules which have been a bit overlooked
0: right, right the, the move to um, to an all Unicode for yeah has has a lot of api implicate implications which really
1: need to be yes. worked through the standard library for example the email module is said to be b- a bit broken in python 3.x and so which which module sorry the email module so have you found
0: PyCon 2010 is this your first um yes it's uh, my US first python, python yes
1: have you, have you enjoyed it? Yes, uh, it's quite uh, pleasant to meet all these people which I had never met before, for, them, for most of them. Um, yeah, yeah, it's quite enjoyable. It's, uh, which which talks have you been to? What, what sort of things have you particularly enjoyed? Well, uh, I've been to the Girl Talk, obviously. <laughs> uh, I had to see what he had to, to say about it and about how brain. exactly he was talking about it. Uh, what I have seen, I have discovered uh, Pyne, which is the Python implementation of a Right. which is directly tar- targeting Python 3 which is a good thing <laughs> I think that's the two most uh, interesting talks uh, well, the two talks which which interested me uh, What most. about
0: Unladen Le- Swallow what are your, your thoughts about that and bringing C++
1: into the language uh, yeah. Well, I'm not opposed to C++ uh, it's not the most elegant language and it's obvious that like many people I would like PyPy to succeed and perhaps one day become the reference implementation but right, it seems right. to be uh, quite far from, from now.
0: It was really interesting to see because um, PyPy has been around for many years and when, it, when yeah. it first came out and they first talked about bringing a JIT into Python there was a lot of excitement in the community yes. and then seemingly nothing happened for several yeah. years but but this year they've presented and they've actually shown sort of real, real world benchmarks not just sort of trivial numeric benchmarks you know running sort of Chunks of applications, yes. uh, where they're actually sh- starting to show a speed improvement. So I think this year again, the Python community is starting to get excited again about PyPy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the problems with projects who get very late. There are some psychological barriers because yeah. people yeah. are a bit bored. And
0: okay, it's been great to talk to you, Antoine. Thank you very okay, much. thank you, Michael.